Good morning, ladies. Okay, sorry. There we go. Okay, this is my bread maker. Where it sits on the floor of my pantry. I had, yeah, I had good intentions when I bought it, and I occasionally think about making bread in it. I see it when I get one of the better used appliances from around it, and I feel a twinge of guilt. I should probably use that. I did pay money for it. Do you have an appliance like that in your home? James has this idea in mind in James 1, through 25, when he is talking about a mirror. He talks about a man who looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what he was. What use is a mirror if you don't use it to change yourself? About as much use as my bread maker. So James says instead of being like this man, that we should be doers of the word. So we're going to dig into the what, how, and why of James's command to be a doer. First, we'll look at what it means to be a doer. Then we'll talk about how you become a doer. And last, why you should be a doer. So first of all, what does it mean to be a doer? Like I said, James gives us an illustration of a man who goes and looks at himself in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what he was like. Now, I'm going to reference this man several times, this illustration several times in my talk, and I'm just going to call him the man in the mirror instead of explaining it all. So just so we're on the same page, he's the man in the mirror. Now, this man in the mirror makes me think of my four-year-old daughter, Isabella. Yeah, she's a cutie. And she's always saying something funny. She's the one that said, Mom, sometimes I make up silly words in my dream to make it a good dream. Okay. <laughs> and then one day when she was crying and I told her to stop, she said, my tears told me I couldn't stop crying. <laughs> well, one day she'd been eating some jelly toast. And of course, she got it all over her face and all over her hands. So I said, Isabella, you need to go to the bathroom and wash your face and your hands. Well, a few minutes later, she comes bebopping out of the bathroom, and her face looks exactly the same as it did when she went in. So I said, Isabella, you didn't wash your face. Go back and wash your face. And she said, Mom, but the mirror seed no dirty on my face. <laughs> she had walked into the bathroom, looked at herself in the mirror, and I know this because whenever she's in the bathroom, she stares at herself in the mirror. So I know that she looked at herself, but then she walked out, and she forgot. James is telling us to not do this. So what is he telling us to do? Well, in verse 22, James says to be doers of the word. Now, this is the NIV translation, and it puts it this way. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, this makes do a verb in English, but the word used for doer in Greek is not a verb. A better translation of the Greek is the ESV, which says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The command is not to do. James is not saying, do this or do that. Instead, James's call is even higher. He is telling us to be something, not merely to be, to do, but to be someone who does. The Greek word that is translated doer in this passage is the same one that is used in Acts when Paul is talking to the men of Athens, and he refers to one of their poets. The word that's translated doer here 
is translated poet in Acts. Its meaning is performer. Now, if one of your friends writes one poem, you're not going to call her a poet, right? Even if she writes several poems, you're probably still not going to call her a poet. She would have to consistently write poetry over a span of time before you would really identify her as a poet. Well, that's the meaning here. It's not about doing what it says a few times. It is doing it so often that you are characterized as a doer. You aren't a doer of the word until you consistently, over time, are performing, doing what it says. So we've talked about what it means to be a doer of God's word. Now, how do you become a doer? Well, I'm going to give you four steps. Read, examine, obey, and repeat. So we read, we examine, obey, repeat. First of all, read. This one seems kind of obvious. You have to read God's word. But my point is here that you have to read God's word yourself. The actual word of God yourself. Not a book about it. Not a devotional. Not listening to a sermon or a podcast. Those all have their place and there's nothing wrong with them. I enjoy each of those. But they are not a substitute for the word of God. It is important to spend time with the Word of God so that you are getting it unfiltered. It is important to know not what someone else says about it, but what it actually says. You must know the Word of God for yourself, and the only way to do it is to read it. So, first, you read it. Next, you examine it. You look intently. You look at it to extract meaning and understand what it's saying. I'm going to walk you through a few of the things that I do to examine God's Word. Do I do these things every time I read my Bible? No. Sometimes I simply read my Bible or listen to it on my Bible app. But I do believe that it is important to have some deeper times in the Word. And these are a few of the things that I do during those times. I also want to point out that Cricket guides us through many of these things in her Bible studies. So as I go through, I'll point out some of the things from this week's study. So first, keywords. Cricket often asks us whenever we start a new passage to read it and identify keywords. You're looking for words that are repeated or have special significance. This helps to understand what the passage is about. When you find a keyword, notate it. And then as you read the passage, remember the keyword and consider how each idea relates to that keyword. Second, clue words. So here I'm talking about words such as like, but, because, therefore, and for. Like is a comparison word. It is comparing two ideas to show how they are alike. So, for example, James says that the one who hears the word of God but is not a doer is like the man in the mirror. He's comparing them. But is a contrast word. It's contrasting two ideas against each other, showing us how they're different. In a moment, we're going to look deeper at verse 22, and we'll see that James uses but to contrast. When you find a contrast, write down what is said about each thing being contrasted and note how they're different. Now, because is cause and effect. It tells you why something's happened, the reason something's happened. And then therefore and for are conclusion statements. Paul loves therefores. 
So when the author is using it, they are drawing a conclusion based on previous ideas they've presented. So ask yourself, what are the previous ideas? What's the conclusion being drawn? What's the therefore, therefore? Now, I'll call these clue words because they clue you in to how the ideas in the passage relate to each other. These are just a few of the clue words you can look for. Other words such as and, yet, however, although, after, are some other words that you can look for. So when you see them, take note of them and what clues they give you. Now third, I use these clue words to help me break down a long sentence or even a passage. Not to pick on Paul, but he is also known for his long sentences. So the point is to break down a long or confusing sentence so that I can understand what it's saying and where all the phrases belong. In our passage, the perfect place to do this is in verse 25. So first, I'm going to walk us quickly through how I would break down this verse. But first, I want to read the verse. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So when you have a long sentence like this, it can be helpful to identify the subject and the verb. So in our sentence, he will be blessed. That is the core sentence. That's our subject and our verb. They're together in this sentence. So I will put he under subject and will be blessed under verb. Now, everything else in the sentence is going to line up with one of these things. It's going to be describing either our subject or our verb. So we're going to start at the beginning of the sentence, and we're just going to walk through and put everything where it belongs. First, but. So I just talked about contrasts. So James is taking the idea that he's presenting in this verse, and he's contrasting it with the idea that he presented in the previous verse. Well, if we back up two verses, he was talking about the man in the mirror. He was talking about the man who was a hearer, but not a doer. So he's contrasting that man, the man in the mirror, with this verse. Well, our subject is he. So he's talking about another man. So now we're contrasting two men against each other. The one. So this whole phrase that is in front of our main core sentence is talking about the one. It's synonymous with he. It's the same man. So I put it right there beside So who looks? Now this is the verb. This is what the one is doing. We have our clue word and there that lets us know he's doing two things. He's looking and he's persevering. So we'll put those under our subject, looks and perseveres. Next we have into the perfect law. That tells us what he's looking into. So I'm going to tuck that under looks. Then we have the law of liberty. Well, He's just another way of describing the perfect law. So I'll put that there beside the perfect law. Next, we move into another little phrase, being no hearer. And to me, this is where it can kind of get confusing. But he's, he hasn't introduced anybody else, so he's still talking about the one. So this one is not a hearer, not a hearer who forgets. So we'll put who forgets under the being no hearer. Now we have another contrast, but... So James is contrasting this being no hearer. He's talking about our one, and he's saying he's not a hearer who forgets, but he is this thing, a doer who acts. So being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. And now we're to the, our core sentence, 
And the last phrase in there is in his doing. So that's explaining how and when he will be blessed. He will be blessed in his doing. So breaking the sentence down like this helps me to see what, what ideas are being presented here. What's James talking about? I see that he's talking about a man, and this man looks and perseveres. This man is not a hearer who forgets. He's a doer who acts, and this man will be blessed in his doing. Now we have the contrasts. He contrasted with the previous verse, and then there's a contrast within the verse. It is actually contrasting the same thing. So he's really pointing out the difference between these two men. And then we have doing twice. We have a doer and blessed in his doing. So we can really see what James is honing in on when we break this apart. So whenever you find a long sentence, it's a great exercise to try to break it down and make sense of all of it. So fourth, cross-reference. Does the passage you're reading remind you of another passage or verse? Cricket does this when she takes us to other verses that have similar ideas or are talking about the same topic. You can check your Bible's cross-references if you don't have any verses that come to mind. Another way to cross-reference and get more information specifically about a word is to use Strong's. Strong's is a concordance of all the English words used in the King James Version of the Bible. It tells you what Hebrew or Greek word is being used, and it defines those, that word. Now, I have a cheat here to help you. There's an app, and that app lets you quickly find the original Hebrew or Greek word that's used in a passage. So this is a screenshot from the app, looking specifically at James 1.25. And I hope y'all can see that well enough. Um, so you can see that this, so this is the verse that we just walked through. And after every word or two, there's an underlined number with a G in front of it. The G stands for Greek, and it's a hyperlink. And when you touch it, it will pull up the definition of that word, how many times it's used, and all the different ways that it's translated. So here's the Greek word for doer in James 1.25. You can see the definition, a performer, specifically a poet, and you can see that it is translated as doer five times and a poet one time in the King James Version. Now at the bottom of that pop-up, you can touch where it says Strong's Concordance, and then it shows you each book of the Bible that the word is used in and how many times it's used. If you touch one of the books, then it shows you all the verses that word is used in. Here you see in Acts where the word is translated poet. This is obviously what I used to look at the word doer in James 1.25. Now I put the name of the app for Android, which is what I use, and one that's similar for, app, for Apple. Whether you use this, your Bible's cross-references, or some other method, go look for other similar passages and see what insight you glean from other places in God's word. The last thing that I want to mention here is that for the sake of time, I've only briefly skimmed over a few of the things that I do to examine Scripture. If you want more guidance or you want to grow more in how you read your Bible, then I would suggest asking another woman who you feel is strong in the Word to study with you and to teach you. So we went through a few different things you can use to help you examine God's Word when you read it. Keywords, clue words, breaking it down, and cross-reference. The next thing we need to do in order to be doers of the Word is to obey. Finally, here's the doer part. We're at the doer part. But you can't get to 
doing until you have read the word of God and examined it and understood it. The first part of obeying is simply to ask God what he wants you to do. Philippians 2.13, Paul says in there that it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God at work in you. He is doing a work in you. So ask him what he would have you do. Second, memorize and meditate on God's word. My experience has been that the more scripture I have memorized and even have just been reading, the more the Holy Spirit uses those verses to convict me and encourage me. This is the idea behind Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'll give you an example from my life this past week. So I've been reading James 1 to prepare for this talk and meditating on all the different verses. And as I was reading it, God convicted me that I talk a whole lot more than I listen. And then there were two specific conversations with two different people where in the middle of the conversation, God reminded me of verse 19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I knew that God was telling me, Christina, shut up and listen. Because I had been meditating on those verses and because I had been reading that, they came quickly to mind. And God used that to convict me in the moment and show me how I could be a doer of his word. Third, as you're reading and examining, look for verses with actionable items. The passage that I just talked about is a perfect example. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's very actionable. In her studies, Cricket will often ask a question like she did this week. What are some practical things you can do to grow in these three areas? That's a great question to determine how you can act on God's word. My own being a doer was a result of the conviction of the Holy Spirit because I had read and meditated on that verse. But here, I'm talking about being more purposeful and premeditated. In advance, you are deciding how you can be a doer when a situation or circumstance occurs. The point is to look for actionable items as you read and premeditate your obedience, your doing. So you've read, you've examined, you've obeyed, Now you repeat. You do it again and again and again. Remember the performer or the poet? You have to do it consistently in order to be a doer. Who in here would say that you're going to skip putting your makeup on for the rest of this week because you did it on Sunday? I don't think any of us would do that, right? Looking in the mirror and adjusting your appearance is a regular, at least daily, exercise. Reading and examining the word then obeying it should also be a regular exercise. So we've looked at what it means to be a doer. We've looked at how you can be a doer. Now we're going to talk about why you should be a doer. In other words, what is the result of being a doer? Well, verse 25, the verse that we've already dug into extensively, holds the key to this. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed 
in his doing. Blessed in his doing. So we talked about this earlier. He's blessed as he's doing. Now I'm going to dig a little into the meaning of this word blessed that James is using. Of course, I'm going to turn to the app that I told you all about. And Strong's defines it as supremely blessed, fortunate, well off. The Greek word that is used here is used 50 times in the New Testament. 30 of those are in the Gospels, and all but three of those were spoken by Jesus. So what is Jesus talking about when he uses the word blessed? I'm going to take us through several verses, some of them in the Gospels and then the rest of them in the New Testament, that help shed light on this word. First, we have Luke 11:27 and 28. A woman calls out to Jesus and says, Blessed, that's our word, is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Jesus corrects her and says, Blessed, our word again, rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. What Jesus is saying about being blessed coincides with what James is saying. James says, Blessed in your doing. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Not hearers only, but doers. Blessing, being blessed, is associated with hearing the word of God and doing it. The next next passage is in the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, verse 6, and then 11 and 12. We're going to focus on two Beatitudes in particular. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, and blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I don't think any of us would say that sounds very blessed, to be persecuted or reviled. But Jesus says that they are blessed because of the end result. In verse 6, he says the result is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In verse 12, he says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. That's not blessed in a material sense. It's spiritual. The kingdom of heaven and reward in heaven. When Jesus is using this word for blessed, it is distinctly spiritual in nature. Next in Matthew 16, Simon Peter is answering Jesus' question, Who do you say I am? Matthew 16, 16 and 17 says, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying that Peter didn't sit down, think about this, put the pieces together and come up with, Ah, Jesus must be the Son of the living God. No. Jesus says Peter knows this because God revealed it to him. And Jesus calls Peter blessed because of the spiritual revelation. So in this passage, being blessed is associated with spiritual revelation. Now those are the verses that we're going to look at from the Gospels. Before I move on to the next verses, I want to talk a little bit more about James's illustration of the man in the mirror in verses 23 and 24. As funny and seemingly fit as the illustration of my daughter was, that's actually, James doesn't actually say that the man looked in the mirror and walked away and forgot what he looked like. He says that he walked away 
and forgot what manner of man he was in the King James Version. The NASB says what kind of man he was. Now, that's interesting to note because we don't use a mirror to find out what kind of woman we are. We use it for our appearance. So what's James talking about here? Well, in verses 23 and 24, like I said, that's our illustration of the man in the mirror. Then in verse 25, James is talking about the one who looks into the perfect law. James is comparing looking in the mirror in verses 23 and 24 with looking in the word of God in verse 25. And James is saying that we should be changed by looking in the word of God. The word of God is our mirror and we should be changed. The manner of woman that we are should be changed when we look into it. Well, how does that work? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. His word is alive and active. It discerns your thoughts and the intentions of your heart. It shows you what manner of woman you are. Not only that, but 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This Bible that we have, it is God's actual word. It is breathed out by him. And it teaches you, corrects you, and trains you in righteousness. God's word shows us our heart. And every single one of our hearts is sinful. But God's word also teaches and corrects and trains you. It shows you your sin, but it also trains you in righteousness. But there's even more. 2 Corinthians 3.18 in the NASB says, But we all, with unveiled face, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Here's the same idea of looking in a mirror. In 2 Corinthians, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. In James, the mirror we're looking into is God's word. James says we should be changed by our looking. Well, Paul says the same thing. He says you are being transformed into Christ's image. His word pierces and discerns your thoughts and the intentions of your heart. And when you look in the mirror that is God's word, beholding the glory of the Lord, and you see the truth about yourself, and you don't walk away, forgetting what manner of woman you are, but instead, you are a doer of God's word. You are changed. You are being transformed into Christ's likeness. This changing into Christ's image is a lifelong process, which is why step four under how is repeat. It's not a once and done. But slowly, you grow in spiritual maturity as your heart is discerned and you are trained in righteousness and you are transformed. You are spiritually blessed with revelation and maturity when you are a doer of the word. Now last, if we look back in the passage that we studied last week in James, verse 12 says, 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Ladies, when you are a doer of the word, not only are you blessed with spiritual revelation and spiritual maturity, but you can stand firm under trials. So in conclusion, we've looked at what James is talking about. Being a doer of the word. I discussed that the word literally means a performer. To be a doer, you have to keep doing it consistently over time. I talked about how you become a doer. You read, examine, obey, repeat. I talked about why you should be a doer. You are spiritually blessed, for example, with spiritual revelation and maturity, which gives you the ability to stand firm. Do you read your Bible? Do you examine the words in it? Do you obey its precepts and commands? Are you a doer? Now, I started us off talking about my bread maker that sits on the floor of my pantry, neglected and unused. Don't let your Bible become like my bread maker. Look into the mirror that is the word of God, not forgetting what manner of woman you are, but instead being a doer who is blessed in her doing. Let me pray for us, ladies. God, I thank you that you are the God that works in us. I thank you that you have given us your word and that your word teaches and corrects us, God. And I thank you that you are transforming us through your work into Christ's image. God, I pray that we will be doers of the word, that we will be women who look into the word, who read it and examine it, and God, that we will obey it. God, I thank you that you are sovereign, that you love us. God, may you be glorified through us. In Jesus' name, amen.